Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to travel the world and how to make an income and how to have the freedom of time, money, and location. So here I am in Bogota, Colombia. And if you're actually watching the video, you'll see my kids playing behind me. But life of a digital nomad means, uh, hey, you can work while playing. Uh, and I have a very special guest on the interview today. His name is Cam Jeffries. And Cam is over there in uh, Hamburg. Uh, but he's not from there. He's actually from Perth, Australia, uh, one of the most beautiful cities and one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I actually had an opportunity to visit Perth, uh, and I love, I love Perth. Uh, so Cam is a, you know, a avid and a prolific travel writer, and uh, he's also the founder of Ripple Media. The three Ripple Media. So we're going to be finding about a little bit about Campbell and uh, his background and his passion for travels. So, uh, Campbell, to start off with, why don't we share a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Ricky, for having me on. I'm from Australia, like you said, and I've been traveling for just about 25 years. And I uh, started out with some very simple stuff around Australia, then went to New Zealand and eventually to North America and was lucky enough to fall into a couple of writing jobs. And from there, I turned travel into a professional profession pretty much by writing and freelancing and then one thing went to another and more writing more travel and that's just basically become my life I was lucky enough to have a couple of good ideas for books that I turned into novels that, that got published and did quite well and now you know, I live in Hamburg and base myself here and, and write for companies write books and also write for newspapers and magazines sometimes Awesome. So uh, out of all the places in the world, what made you choose Hamburg? I, I actually visited Hamburg too, another great city, but any particular reason why you chose that city, that country, and that continent? That's a really good question. I've lived in lots of places around the world, and I've always liked to think that I didn't choose the places, but they chose me, is that I got there and things just worked out. And I had that before in different places. I had that in, in Montreal, for example. I had that in New Orleans. and. I had it in Hamburg. I arrived in Hamburg with no real plan and everything just seemed to work out. It was like the city was telling me to stay and I like it very much and it's uh, 17 years later, I'm still here. Yeah, I've had that feeling a few times in my travels. I, uh, I love uh, Tokyo, Japan, where I spend a year teaching English. I love actually Sydney, Australia, where I spend uh, three years, actually, of my life. Uh, not intentionally. At first, I was just going to do a working holiday for a year, and then uh, I really love the city, and uh, I ended up staying three years and actually traveled the whole perimeter of Australia, from Sydney to Melbourne to Adelaide, down to Perth, where you're from, then up to Broome, uh, then over to Cairns, uh, sorry, Darwin. Uh, Alice Springs and then back to Sydney. So yeah, I did a lot of Australia. So big advocate of your home and native land. That's a lot of kilometers. Oh yeah, tell me about it. I mean, I'm from Canada, uh, and Canada obviously we have uh, the second biggest country in the world, but Australia I think is in the top ten as well. So we covered a lot of territory. <laughs> so Cam, uh, tell us more. You're writing. I mean, what kind of writing are you doing? What is your focus and niche area? Well, I do a lot of different writing, so I've managed to make a career as a writer, but in order to do that, I've had to be flexible and to write about lots of different things. So I started out in travel, and I also started out in entertainment, and that was mainly what I wrote about. But uh, in the last, let's say, the last 15 years, that I've started to work more in uh, content, so more into advertising and um, 
stories where might might pitch a story and then get uh, um, get the contract to write it. So it's it's kind of been an adaptive career or an evolving career. So I started out before the before the digital era, and you know I was sending you know slides and envelopes to newspapers and sending printouts and floppy disks and all this kind of stuff. And then when the digital era kicked in, it made it a bit easier to be a freelancer and a bit more flexible. And uh, as the internet has become more and more popular, I've adapted my writing career towards it. So I was uh, one of the earlier writers involved in travel websites like Expedia, for example. I worked for Expedia for a while and did a lot of reviews and um, some content writing for them. And that went into more the corporate world. So writing for companies and writing in advertising. And on the side, writing books. So uh, you mentioned uh, writing books, and I had a chance to look at your website pre-interview. Uh, you have quite, uh, several different books, so why don't you walk us through all the different books uh, from the first to the last? Well, the, the books, uh, there's a funny thing about books. So you never really, well, for me as a writer, I never sat down and said, I'm going to write books. It was more that, I had an idea that was big enough to be a book. And so the more I thought about it, the bigger the idea became. And it starts off as a very small idea and then it starts to grow and grow and grow. And so the novels, for example, were had a very basic premises. And then, you know, as I started to work on them and rework them and rework them and rework them, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. So it was more that um, there was no ambition to write books. I just was lucky enough to have a couple of ideas that were big enough to become books and they were also ideas connected to my own life and my own experiences as well. So uh, you're already a prolific writer, you've actually made a full-time career as a writer which is very difficult, good on you for that. What tips or advice would you give to someone who's just starting out who maybe wants to get into writing but they have no clue where to start? That's a really good question too because I've yeah, actually done well. a lot of speaking on this. And I've given writers a lot of advice in, in talks and, and readings and whatnot. And this is one of the questions. Being a writer, in, in many ways being an artist in lots of different fields, it's actually very hard these days to make a living. And so one of the things I say about writing is that a writer is, you know, in demand when they can specialise in something or when they have a, a specific field that they're good at or that they know a lot about. So, for example, I'm really into cars and I always have been. I'm a bit of a motorhead. And for the last three or four years, I've been working for Ford and I've been writing content for Ford. And before that, you know, I had projects with Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagen and Opel as well. And my advice for writers is that you're good at writing, but you need to combine that with yeah. being good at something else. So if you really like sports, for example, you're and you're really, really, really into one specific sport, then you can turn that into a writing career by being an expert on it. So some people who come from a, who want to become writers, my advice is be an expert at something and not just writing. Writing's great, it's a good skill to have, but if you can be an expert, like there's a big market in Europe, for example, for um, medical writers, technical writers, and not just someone who's a technical writer, but someone who's a technical writer for x-ray machines because they specialize on So if you can do that, uh, you, can, you should be able to make a pretty, pretty decent salary. And then on the side, you can pursue the writing that you're passionate about. 
Some great tips there, Cam. Um, uh, you work for quite a lot of big companies. You mentioned Ford and Expedia, you know, uh, really major corporations. Uh, how would you get into some of those type of uh, bigger corporations, obviously, who have bigger cash to pay writers? I think it's a lot of luck, Ricky. I think it's got to be um, the right thing at the right time. Expedia was that uh, when, they were, when they were just building up, they needed a lot of content quickly. And there were a lot of writers were, were gathered by Expedia to create all this content to populate their website because they, they like TripAdvisor and other um, travel-related websites, uh, the amount of content that's required is huge. And so when it's just starting, a lot of content is required in the beginning. Uh, um, with, other, with companies in more in the marketing or corporate field, I think that once you've had a couple of projects, then they seem to, you know, domino into others. So you get one, and then you become, you get it, you do quite well at it, and then that should lead to someone, some another project as well. But I have to add that I've been very lucky in terms of geography. So living in Germany and being an English-speaking writer has been a real bonus because there's a lot of advertising companies here and a lot of agencies and when they do projects for brands it's normally in English because it then gets adapted for all the, the countries in Europe so they need you know when I started out 10 years ago there was a really high demand for good English speaking writers in Germany who could do this stuff and I know a handful of them and we've all managed to make good careers on this so we've been lucky based on uh, geography as well yeah, it definitely helps uh, where you are, especially if, uh, you know, you talked about differentiating yourself based on your niche, but also differentiating yourself by being one of the only English-speaking writers in the whole uh, continent of Europe. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but, uh, you know, especially in the Hamburg area, you're probably one of the few. Yeah, there, there was, uh, we were all kind of in competition with each other, but we're also like a quasi-union because we all knew each other, so we could kind of... We didn't steal work from each other and we were able to um, balance our rates as well so we weren't in competition and then there was enough work for everybody so it was a really good situation but before that i mean i spent i spent four years teaching english here as well yeah. so that was another another thing that really helped my writing was to teach english because i actually started to get better at the grammar <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I can relate to that because uh, I'm a native speaker because I was born and raised in Canada. But uh, you know, most native speakers don't actually know the grammar well. Um, so, like when I was in Tokyo, Japan, I was teaching English for almost a year, like I mentioned earlier. And a lot of people would ask me these grammar questions, and I don't know the grammar. There's all these nuances, <laughs> there's rules, there's exceptions to rules, and even and I've never actually been formally trained in uh, the grammatical part of teaching English. I had a little TESOL certificate, but that's you know, like a hundred hours worth of, uh, hardly enough to know the English language well. <laughs> well, that was the benefit of teaching English, you know, I started to learn all of that. So, yeah, you know, I could absolutely. become an editor as well. And being in Germany for a while, I could also start to master German and then become a translator. And I did quite a lot of translation work as well from German to English. So, Cam, uh, tell us what makes good writing because, uh, you know, anyone could write uh, if you have a command of the language, but there's a difference in bad writing, good writing, and exceptional writing. So, what do you think makes uh, a really incredible writer? Oh, I wouldn't put myself in that bracket for sure, but I think that, <laughs> I th I think that one of the things I teach about writing is um, to surprise your reader, 
I think that the the surprise you doesn't have to you don't necessarily have to be a a superb creator of sentences or prose or whatever. I think that you know, I think the surprise is is what the benefit is, and I think that um, that surprise is also I guess an an element of magic as well, and I think that the magic is what really makes you know one writer better than the other if they've got an idea or they've got a a way of telling a story that just seems to be, you know, really captivating and magical and trans, you know, it's you you get taken to another place and and I think that that I think that that basis is it, it goes for all writing. I think it goes for a good story in a newspaper. It goes for a good movie script. It goes for um, a job application letter, if there's something about it that just lifts the word off the page, it's something surprising. And this is what I teach with travel writing, is that a lot of people can go to a place and write about it. And yeah, this, it might be interesting. But if you can go to a place and write about something surprising, or something that's unexpected or even something magical, then that will elevate that story above above anything else. And I think that that's... I mean, I say all that like it's easy, but that's actually the real <laughs> challenge of writing. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Magical. I mean, if you can, if you can create something out of nothing and it's magic, I mean, that's just brilliant. So, mm. I don't think I've got to that point yet, but um, I think reaching or striving for, the, for something surprising and magic, then I think that's worth writing about. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to even think of myself here. I'm in Bogota, Colombia, and it's an amazing city in the heart of, uh, you know, South America. And I'm trying to think of what could I write about that will make it unique and different than every other travel writer, travel blogger. So, like, for me, I'm actually here at SOS Children's Village, which is a major uh, orphanage around the world. They actually started in Austria. Austria uh, in Europe where you are currently but now the location is 100 plus countries and we're actually just volunteering here I mean I think you've, if you're watching the video you can see my kids kind of hanging out in the background but uh, we're, we're teaching English and really uh, uh, learning about uh, the life of the orphans here and uh, how we as foreigners can give back by visiting orphanages during our travels or teaching English etc so maybe that is my surprise or my unique angle right maybe maybe or I think that finding those stories is just so much about luck. I think that you really have to happen on a street or meet a person or have an experience that, that you just didn't see coming. And I think that a lot of that is luck. I've done a lot of travel writing where I've been in a place and I just haven't been, I haven't had the luck and I didn't find the story. And then I've been in other places where I've had the luck and it's been fantastic and there was something really great to write about. And it can be that, you know, 100 metres from where you're standing, there's a fantastic story about Bogota, but you may not know where it is. Okay, 100 metres away, where could it be? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of that story. You got me thinking. I'm going to actually uh, challenge myself to come up with a good story about Bogota, uh, not the traditional sightseeing one, but I'm going to find the 100 metre away surprise story. So tell us about some of your surprise stories. I mean, you've traveled around the world. Uh, you mentioned you're from Australia. You lived in Canada, where I'm from. You're currently in Europe. Uh, so what surprises uh, stuck out to you? Uh, maybe that would help uh, the listeners, the viewers, uh, come up with their creative uses. Well, I wrote a lot of the stories I wrote, I collected into a book that was published earlier this year called Greetings From, and that, that book has a lot of those travel stories in them. And if I could give 
a couple of examples. I think uh, the one in Berlin is probably the most tangible. Is that you know Berlin's a very famous city. A lot of people have been there at the moment. It's the place that everybody wants to be in in Europe. But the story I wrote about Berlin was about Berlin Underground and the tunnels and um, the old uh, concrete bunkers that were used in the war. And I only found out about this in Berlin because I was walking past this door in a train station. There was this green door. And you know, I passed this, state, this door many times during the week. And then I, one day I just, I just asked one of the local workers, hey, what's this door? You know, where does this door go? And the guy told me, yeah, yeah, this goes down into a whole bunch of tunnels and, you know, under Berlin there's all these tunnels from, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. I'm like, what? Tunnels? He said, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal. And so that, that, that green door became the basis for a very surprising story about Berlin. Like, well, a lot of people didn't know that there were tunnels and it went, you know, there were tunnels wide enough to drive a car through and, and there was a way to get from the old airport to the government building through a tunnel and... Um, there was an organisation in Berlin that ran tours where you could do, you could go into the tunnels and you could go down to the bunkers and you could see where people were hiding when when Berlin was being bombed. And um, this was a very surprising story about Berlin because it was a, I mean, I don't want to blow my own horn, but it was a really great story because it it, um, it included Berlin's past and present because Berlin is, you know has been at the forefront of history for the last hundred years, pretty much. And that story, that story really captured that without, without having to go into the grisly details of, of, of um, you know, guns and soldiers and whatnot. It was just the tunnels where the civilians were hiding. And, you know, it really told a story about Berlin. And not, not just how it was, but it's that uh, Berlin really is a survivor's city you know it's a city where people survived and rebuilt it and went on and it's still like that, that now it's like a, one of the few european cities that's not finished you know it's it's continually been changing and evolving and being built so i'm, I'm waffling a bit but that was a, an example of something very surprising about berlin that was it that underground it was full of tunnels yeah awesome great story i look forward to reading that on your site uh, so Cam, uh, you know, what is your vision going forward? I dream of becoming a full-time travel writer. I think uh, when I've seen surveys and all, they say, what is the number one job if you could have any job in the world? And it is uh, travel writing, travel blogging, seeing the world and getting paid for it. So congratulations for living the dream. Uh, what is your future hold? I mean, now that you are living the dream, so to speak, you're in Hamburg, where do you see, you see yourself in the next few years, uh, the next, you know, next few months and beyond? I think that living the dream is a total stretch because it's actually really hard work and it's taken me a long time to get here. But I think that the, the I think that the worker's dream is that you work, you know, you, you, you work by your own terms. And I think that to me, that's living the dream. If you can live your life by your own terms and work as you want to work, then you're living the dream. And I think that in that sense, it doesn't really matter what the job is if you're living by your own terms and and doing quite well, then you're living the dream. So I think the travel the travel writer itself is not exactly the dream job, and I've written about that, and I've written stories about that too, because it can be um, not the best. But what does the future hold? Well, the future probably looks a little bit more like the same. I'm starting to get more involved in film 
because I made a, I was involved with a short film last year and this is something I'd like to get more involved in. So I'm developing at the moment an idea for a documentary about sports and have another book coming out next year and also continue my, my writing work, which is basically like being a ghostwriter because you write stories about companies and they go out to the media without my name on them, but uh, seem to be quite uh, doing quite well with that. But what I would like to do more of is definitely film. Awesome, sounds great. Uh, so if people wanted to get a hold of you, uh, you know, maybe they're interested in travel writing themselves, maybe they're interested in getting a hold of some of your books. Um, how can they do that, uh, Cam? Well, the books are available everywhere, so you can buy them, you know, bookshops online and. Uh, I've written a couple of books under pseudonyms as well, which may be not so easy to find, but um, I'm also, I do a lot of public speaking and, and talks and workshops. I was a writing teacher for a number of years here in Hamburg, so and there's lots of ways to get involved in uh, the work that I do. Yeah, you're actually speaking at the upcoming T-Best in Europe, right? I am indeed. That's in, uh, in Ireland in October. Well, if you're listening to this pre-October, make sure you check out that uh, conference. Uh, we actually interviewed the uh, executive director of that, Shane Dallas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm running a uh, writing workshop with Yvonne Gordon, who's one of the Irish travel writers, and together we're, we're doing a, a writing workshop of how to do all that stuff about finding surprising things. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'll still be over here in South America, so I won't be able to attend live, but I wish you the best uh, with the uh, speaking opportunity and uh, your writing career, and I hope our paths will cross somewhere in this beautiful world that we both inhabit. Thank you very much, Ricky. Thank you very much, Ricky. Thanks, Cam. Uh, once again, what are the sites? Uh, tell us the two sites by which people can get a hold of you. Two sites would be uh, CampbellJeffries.com, which is my writer website, and then also RippleMedia.com, Ripple with three Ps. Uh, it make a little bit different. So RippleMedia.com. I'm also all over Facebook and um, Twitter as well. I'm quite a burgeoning internet presence. <laughs> awesome. So thanks again for your time, and uh, you know we'll we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Ricky. And uh, you know, make sure you check out two, uh, uh, Campbell's two sites. I'll actually have them on the link below. If you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be in the YouTube description. If you're listening on iTunes, they'll be over there on our show notes. Uh, thanks, every, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to travel right your way around the world and how to be a digital nomad, uh, making money while traveling the world.